You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to On The Way. This is Beth White. And I'm Jen Delvo. <laughs> Thank you for listening to uh, the radio show from the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship for the Archdiocese Chicago. So we are very excited to have our next guest, uh, Sister Barbara Reed, who is the president of Catholic Theological Union. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you, Beth. It's lovely to be with Hi. you. It's so good to see you. Uh, I haven't seen you in so long. <laughs> it has been a while yeah. since we worked together here at CTU. Yeah, so congratulations. Uh, you took over in January, is that right? Or January 1st. Oh, yes. excellent. In the middle of a pandemic. Um, yes. So uh, uh, Sister Barbara is a um, the president of Catholic Theological Union, but her her former day job was as a biblical scholar, and that is who she is in her blood and her bones. And so we wanted to invite her to talk a little bit about Sister, um, Sister, <laughs> St. Mary Magdala, who uh, feast day is Thursday, uh, tomorrow. And so we wanted to just talk to her a little bit. So Sister Barbara, could you fill us in a little bit on who Mary Magdala is and what some of those myths and misconceptions are about her? Well, thank you, Beth. It's lovely to have an opportunity to talk a little bit about Mary Magdalene. She is a very, very popular figure, both in uh, Christian imagination, in artwork, in legends and myths about her. But many of those legends and myths don't match at all what the story of her is in the New Testament. So many people, if you ask them who was Mary Magdalene, uh, this is starting to change, but many people still would say that she was a prostitute, mm -hmm. that she was a sinner. Um, they confuse her with several other characters in the Bible, most of whom don't have a name. Mm -hmm. So the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, mm -hmm. that woman has no name in John's gospel, but many people think it's Mary Magdalene. Or in Luke's gospel in chapter 7, verses 13, uh, verses 35 to 50, there's a story about a woman who had been a sinner, who has been forgiven, and who comes into a dinner party at Simon the Pharisees, and who um, goes to Jesus's feet, anoints them with expensive ointment, weeps over his feet, and then dries them with her hair. And um, many people think that that's Mary Magdalene, but it's not. 
Mary either. That woman has no name in Luke's gospel. There's another unnamed woman in Mark's gospel and in Matthew's gospel who right at the beginning of the passion narrative anoints Jesus on the head, identifying him. It's a prophetic action, identifying him as king, much as Saul anointed David, uh, sorry, Samuel anointed Saul and David as king. And uh, that's not Mary Magdalene either, that anointing woman. Um, that woman has no name in Mark and Matthew's gospel and in John's gospel, it's Mary of Bethany, Martha's sister and Lazarus's sister who performs that action at Jesus's feet. So there's a lot of confusion about Mary Magdalene. She's not any of those characters in the gospel. What all four gospels do say about her and all four are unanimous about this is that she was at the foot of the cross. She saw Jesus die in uh, three of the four gospels. She sees where Jesus is buried. And in all four of the gospels, she goes uh, to, the, to the tomb on Easter morning and finds it empty. And in the synoptic gospels, so that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, she goes with other Galilean women to the tomb. Uh, in John's gospel, uh, that, that evangelist loves to have single representative characters. So she goes by herself to the tomb and she is the figure that represents the whole of the believing community who is searching for how to experience his presence once he is physically uh, not present in the same way anymore. And so in two of the four gospels, uh, Jesus, in Matthew and in John, Jesus appears to Mary as the first one to see the risen Christ. And in each of the four gospels, she and her companions are entrusted with the message for the other disciples. So, so from early on, uh, early church fathers dubbed her apostle to the apostles. So apostle meaning one sent. And so she's the one sent to go and sharing, share the good news with others. So she is uh, the primary evangelizer in, um, in our tradition. Now how her, how her message is received varies. Uh, in each of the four Gospels, and we can go into more detail on that if you like. But there's one other um, passage that's very important to mention. So in addition to the four endings of the story that all feature Mary Magdalene, um, in Luke's Gospel in chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, um, this is the only Gospel that says anything about Mary before the end of the story. Mm -hmm. And so while uh, Mark and Matthew, for example, when they introduce Mary at the end of the story, they say using verbs that are in the imperfect, so it means ongoing repeated action in the past, they say that she had been following and had been ministering all the way along through the ministry. Those evangelists just don't introduce her into the story until the very end. In Luke's gospel, though, uh, Luke introduces her in chapter 8, where Jesus and the disciples are going through towns and villages, proclaiming the, the good news. And Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna, and many other Galilean women are with Jesus. And um, Luke says they are ministering out of their resources. And the verb there for ministering 
is the root word for diakonating. It's the Greek verb diakonain. So they're ministering out of their monetary resources. Luke says they're bankrolling the mission. Wow. So, um, so let me um, stop there and ask what <laughs> questions you As have. As we both I listen. Give you a chance to weigh in here. So um, when you think about the different uh, ways in which Mary is portrayed in that gospels itself, not in tradition necessarily, um, but um, how, how were, what were each of those evangelists trying to do with Mary's story in each of those, uh, the gospels? How are they utilizing her? That's a really excellent question, Beth. And uh, of course, it's it's impossible to speak authoritatively <laughs> for what exactly was in the mind of each of the evangelists. Um, we, we'll have to wait till we meet them on the, <laughs> in eternity to find out for sure what was on their mind. But it's quite clear that they depict her. They they depict her differently. Each of the mm. evangelists tells the story a little differently. So let me contrast, for example, Luke with John. So at the end of Luke's gospel, when Mary and the other women um, proclaim the message as they've been told to do, um, they're not believed. And Luke comments that that the others thought that they were crazy, out of their mind. Uh, they don't believe the women. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and Luke's agenda, if we can put it that way, um, as Luke continues to tell the story, Peter comes into prominence. And so it, the, the next, in Luke's gospel, Jesus himself doesn't speak to the women, but rather angels inside oh, the tomb give the okay. message. And, and it, as Luke continues to tell the story after the empty tomb, the, the next story is about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Cleophas and his unnamed companion on the road to Emmaus. And the, they're the first ones to see the risen Christ, so we think, mm. until you get to the end of the Emmaus story. And after Clopas and his companion run back to Jerusalem and go and share what has happened um, and, and share the news with the others before they even get a word out of their mouth, the 11 and the others gathered all say, the Lord has appeared to Simon. Oh. And we don't have any, any story of an mm -hmm. appearance to Simon, but what we have here is a, a very ancient piece of tradition that Luke is preserving that puts, Luke, it puts Peter in primary place over Mary Magdalene. Mm. John tells the story very differently. And even as I say John, there's a question mark of who is the evangelist of this fourth gospel. You know, none of the evangelists signed their gospels and identified themselves um, precisely. So, so let me just say the author of the fourth gospel seems to have a very different agenda in telling the story. And the roles that the women have in the fourth gospel are extremely important. There are much fewer stories that feature women characters in John's gospel but than there are in Luke, for example. Mm. But in Luke, many of the um, appearances of women, they're silenced, they're not believed, as I just described mm -hmm. with Mary Magdalene. Um, they don't speak, they, um, they're corrected. 
but that's not the way they're portrayed in the fourth gospel. In the fourth gospel, you've got you've got Jesus's mother playing an extremely important role mm -hmm. as a catalyst for Jesus's uh, public mission in the Cana story. She's only in the, in the fourth gospel. Is she at the foot of the cross along with Mary Magdalene, and and other women? And um, in the fourth gospel, Jesus appears directly to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. There's no there, there. Um, it is not the angels that deliver the message. The angels at the tomb merely ask Mary, "Why are you weeping?" But it's Jesus Himself who appears to her, and and uh, communicates to her not to cling to the way that she knew him before as an earthly human being, mm -hmm. but that he has returned to his own as he promised um, and directs her to the gathered community. He says, go to my brothers and sisters. And it's there that we experience him now um, alive and present with mm -hmm. us in the gathered community of believers. And at the same time, he has ascended to the Father. And so he is both glorified um, and um, and has returned to his own in the gathered community. And so in the fourth gospel, Mary conveys this message and there's no hint that she's not believed. And so so it's a very different portrayal. And, and, uh, and also uh, it's only in the fourth gospel that we have the story of the encounter of Jesus with the woman in Samaria mm -hmm. at the well. And as she goes and proclaims what she experiences of Jesus to all of her townspeople, um, she also is portrayed as the first evangelizer or apostle to her townspeople, bringing others to believe in Jesus through her word, which is very different from how the synoptic gospels portray the, the first missionary disciples or apostles. Mm -hmm. um, they portray that it's the 12 uh, mm -hmm. that Jesus sends out for this mission, but the 12 don't really feature in the fourth gospel. So a very different um, portrayal. And and in some ways, I think those two gospels are reflecting some of the struggles in the early church mm -hmm. over what are the right roles for women in the emerging new community. Um, are women to be teachers, preachers, evangelizers, apostles, proclaimers of the word, um, heads of house churches, uh, taking on leadership roles. And there's quite, I think, a division in the early church over, mm -hmm. over how to answer those questions. And the different evangelists, the way they tell the story reflects what they think the answers mm -hmm. to those kinds of questions are. Interesting. We're going to take a break right there. What a great place to take a break. And we're going to talk after the break a little bit about more we can learn from Mary for today's world.
I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. There's so much waiting for you at Catholic Charities Senior Services. We offer programs and services to help make the most of every day. Friendships and fun are guaranteed at our drop-in senior centers. Our adult daycare centers offer enjoyment and greater supervision to seniors who need it while their caregivers get a break. Holy Family Villa provides a beautiful, safe environment for seniors looking for short or long-term residential facility. And we offer assistance with senior benefits, care coordination, congregate and home-delivered meals, hospital transition, and much more. For more than 100 years, we have accompanied seniors through every transition in their lives, and we are here for you now. Catholic Charities is a name and an agency you can trust. Call Senior Services today at 312-655-7700. That's 312-655-7700. Welcome back to On The Way. This is Beth White with Jen DelVoe. Hello. Jen. Hi. And we are continuing our conversation with Sister Barbara Reed, who's the president of Catholic Theological Union here in Chicago. And she is also a New Testament scholar. And we were just talking about Mary of Magdala in the um, biblical tradition. And so we just want to shift gears slightly here, uh, Sister Barbara. We, we love the woman at the well story. <laughs> that is uh, how we use that whole movement of her encounter with Jesus and him sending her. And then these people that probably didn't think much of her in her community believe because of her. And then they go meet him and then they believe because they've met him. And so we use that a lot to describe mm -hmm. evangelization. And so we, we just, and we love Mary Magdala. We, she's, a, a, we have a icon of her in our office. So uh, as evangelizers, we just see these two women as, and I'm so grateful you brought them up. So as you look at, um, in the early church and how women were being um, figuring out their ministry, figuring out where they fit. How do you see parallels today in the modern church with Mary Magdalene? And, and with Pope Francis lifting her feast day, what encouragement does that give to all of us? It's well, a double, was, double question. <laughs> <laughs> double question, yes. I was delighted when when Pope Francis elevated um, July 22nd to a feast day of the church and um, that uh, many people had been already uh, in many faith communities uh, around the country, uh, partly due to the efforts of future church, uh, have been lifting up this uh, feast day in celebration and trying to create greater consciousness around the real Mary Magdalene. Mm. And so there, there is um, a change going on as people become more informed about the biblical Mary Magdalene, uh, but also 
uh, have celebrations to ritualize uh, so that so that it's an opportunity not just to remember um, the figure of Mary Magdalene, but to celebrate women's ministry all throughout the history of the church. And um, and I, I think, too, of uh, Pope Francis when he said in his apostolic letter, Evangelii Gaudium, uh, in paragraph 103, he said, there's a need for a more incisive female presence in the church. Mm. And I always found that a little bit puzzling. Um, I, I, I hope someday I have the opportunity to ask him precisely what he meant by that, because uh, we know women have always been present and ministering in the church in powerful and prophetic ways. Some of them we have recorded in the New Testament, and um, and we know that, uh, for example, if there was one woman named as an apostle in the New Testament, so here's pop quiz number one for your listeners, uh, name the woman, the one woman in the New Testament who is uh, explicitly called an apostle. And you'll find her in Romans 16, 7, where Paul is sending greetings to all kinds of people. And he says to greet Andronicus and Junia who were his relatives and, and who um, were notable uh, among the apostles. Mm. So we don't know anything more about Junia, however. She may have been notable then, but we don't know anything about her now. And so I think of a kind of tip of the iceberg strategy that if there was one woman apostle in the early church, there surely were others. And, and as we've already mentioned, Others who are not explicitly named as apostles in the New Testament certainly exhibit the uh, features of being an apostle. So the Samaritan woman, uh, Mary Magdalene most especially, and both of those uh, were called apostles by early church fathers. And so we know that women have always been present and ministering in the church in powerful and pro prophetic ways. Um, but as but perhaps what Pope Francis is hoping for is that um, that some of the barriers to recognizing women's discipleship and women's ministry in the church in ways that are equivalent to our confreres, our, our, our male uh, believers in the church, that some of those barriers may begin to come down. It's, it's still... Um, it's, we still have a long ways to go before women's voices are heard in all of the ministries of the church, and especially in places where uh, that involve leadership and decision-making. And so I think one of the things that Mary Magdalene um, might offer to us today, some of the things she might say to us today, um, I think she encountered plenty of opposition, of course she plenty, did. plenty of obstacles. Uh, we can see, for example, in the apocryphal Gospel of Mary, which is a second century uh, non-canonical gospel, we can see in that gospel that this kind of rivalry between Mary Magdalene and Peter, as I, I, as I was describing that in Luke, it's Peter who's, who's got prime of place and who has to have been the first to have seen the risen Christ. In John, it's Mary Magdalene, and we can see that kind of rivalry uh, reflected in uh, throughout the New Testament of uh, who's the authentic leader? Who was the first to see the risen Christ? 
Uh, Matthew will side with John and have Jesus appear to Mary Magdalene and her companions first in, in Matthew 28. Uh, Paul will side with Luke. So in 1 Corinthians 15, when he's listing all those to whom the risen Christ has appeared, he lists everybody. The only person he never mentions is Mary Magdalene. Oh, he puts Peter, of course, omission. at the top of the list and himself is last, but he never mentions Mary or the women. So, so I think, you know, Mary certainly faced opposition and faced, um, and faced obstacles um, in, the, in the apocryphal gospel of Mary. The scene is actually uh, depicted in which she and Peter are going toe to toe and Peter is challenging her, her witness. And finally, one of the other disciples steps in and says, oh, Peter, you've always been hard headed and hot tempered. And if the Lord has chosen her, who are we to say otherwise? And so he rallies the other disciples and they all finally listen to Mary Magdalene and go out and preach as she has been urging them to do. Mm -hmm. So I think she embodies for me um, the a, a woman who persists no yeah. matter what the obstacles are yeah. and who knows very clearly that she has been called she has she is a disciple a committed disciple she has been sent and despite any obstacles or opposition she persists and seems to have total clarity of focus that the uh, we don't have a record of her call story as a disciple, but she's clearly depicted as a disciple in the Gospels. Um, there is no strict definition of what constitutes a disciple, but we find characteristics like following Jesus, being with Jesus. In Luke, especially, it's hearing and acting on the word. It's ministering with him. Um, so we clearly see Mary doing all of those things in the gospels and so so the the persistence and taking every opportunity to evangelize wherever it opens itself so, so i, I so always i'm gonna have I to cut you off because <laughs> yeah. we're almost out of time but i just want to encourage folks to um check out ctu.edu and learn more about opportunities to to be in a class with sister barbara and barbara you are breaking you are one of those people you you are the president of a theological seminary who forms men and women and uh the first right aren't you the first woman to run ctu uh, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so the barriers are there, but they're being broken all over the place. So thank you so much. We have so much to be grateful to you and to uh, Mary Magdalene. We encourage our, our listeners to get to know her better. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Beth and Jen. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago, 
You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media. Come back to life.